Today's episode is sponsored by Global Specialized Safety Incorporated, globalssinc.com. That's globalssinc.com. Safe by choice, not by chance, for all of your safety needs. Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And we are rolling live with a couple of legends on the on the show today. Rob, Tim, thanks for being here, brothers. Our pleasure. Thank you. Airborne. Hoorah. Well, today we are um, talking about Operation Pegasus Jump. So let's start there. First of all, uh, who put this together, Tim? Was this you? Was this Rob? All the above? This was uh, Rob's uh, Rob's mission, and uh, he approached a bunch of us at the drop zone about this, and of course, we're all over it. And... Uh, such a great idea, and I'll, I'll hand it over to Rob. So what inspired you? What, what made you think, he? I should probably do this for the, for the boys? What? Uh, I guess a, a lot of it stems from uh, just being on our drop zone over the last year or so. We've had a lot of influx of uh, retired military guys coming to the drop zone, and, you know, Army guys talk, and, you know, so you start talking about the state of some of the your friends that you serve with, and, you know, with COVID and the way everyone's sort of become shut in and not supporting each other much anymore, uh, we thought, you know what, maybe it's time that we try and reverse this a little bit. Um, one of the other sideline things I do is I deal with at-risk kids, so I see what they're dealing with, and it's not that much different than what a lot of our guys are dealing with. Yeah. And just a little bit of support to these kids, the difference it's made to them. Hmm. So I thought you know what, why not try this on a bigger picture and reach out to our veterans and first responders and try and increase their network that they have that they can call on when they get to those points where they feel like nobody's, nobody cares and what's what's the purpose anymore. Well, you've really hit the nail on the head, Rob. It's when you feel isolated, you feel that nobody gives a shit, that nobody understands, and uh, I mean – you two, right? A couple of hardcore legends with all the high-speed, low-drag courses. And it is really tough for a dirty leg like myself to step up and say, hey, I need help. For any guy to step up and say, mm-hmm. I need help. But the special operators, the guys with all the uh, high-speed, low-drag courses, it's extra hard because we're the ones that are used to wearing the capes. We're the ones that are, you know, have kicked the doors in, have been through war zones, and I don't need help. I'm the one that helps others. So it is really, really difficult for a lot of people to um, step up and say, yeah, okay, I'm not Superman. I am human. I fucking need help. And I love the link that you made, Rob, between um, the at-risk kids and, uh, and veterans that are struggling. Trauma is trauma is trauma. The effects, the downstream effects of it is the fucking same. Whether um, you were raped as a kid or you were shot at in a war zone or <laughs> all, all the horrific things that we see in a war, um, 
the effect is the same on your life, which is why we have so much veteran homelessness, uh, veteran suicides. Uh, us three know plenty of people that have uh, punched out a little early. And um, so thank you for, for recognizing that and for doing what you're doing. So um, between the two of you, there is there anybody that you're targeting in particular where you're like, yeah, I mean, don't name names, but it's like, yeah, I, I think this person could use a boost, could use the camaraderie. So we're going to find a way to get them to the drop zone. Well, it's, you know, it's the thing with, <clears throat> with the technology today, it's so easy to reach out to people. So, you know, people that you lose contact with, and then all of a sudden, you know, through Facebook or wherever you get, you talk to these guys and, you know, all of a sudden these guys that were, you know, operators and, you know, high-speed troops that you were soldiering alongside are now, you know, failed businesses and, you know, broken relationships and they're on their own and they're just feeling like, what's the purpose? You know, when I think back to our time in the regiment, you know, we used to laugh and joke when people would talk about retirement because we never thought we'd make it that far. Yeah. And now here we are going, well, what the hell do we do with ourselves? Where do we fit in in society? And that's been one of the hardest things that I found since leaving the military is, you know, you come out with that military, you know, know your people, promote their welfare, take care of each other. And then you're out in a society where it's dog eat dog and nobody cares about each other. And then you just see the isolation start to grow. And that's what I've noticed working with the at-risk youth that I work with. And I'm like, man, these kids are they're going through the same thing the military guys are. And then I started thinking, you know what, why not help everybody? You know, so on our drop zone, um, we have these at-risk kids that I work with that are all now skydiving. And I've seen the positive change it's had on their life. And I thought, you know what, why not do that on a bigger scale? Why not reach out to the veterans and the first responders and bring them here and increase that support network they have, give them that, you know, zest for life again, if you will, get them jumping out of an airplane and hanging out with other people that are going through what they're going through. So they don't have to feel like they're alone. And hopefully at the end of it, they'll have some new contacts and new friends, a stronger support network to get them through those days where you go, you know what? I've had enough. Yeah. And I think uh, what's important is everyone's perception of people, especially with your social media. You know, like I have a big Instagram following. We always post the best picture of the day. We're not posting what's actually emotionally happening today. So everyone thinks you're good to go. And I'll tell you, like with my struggle, you know, I had PTSD and I finally collapsed in 2013. I had to go seek help. But the issue, issue is, when you have PTSD at that level, you're just working, 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 working. You need to keep yourself busy. I'm volunteering for everything. I'm going to do this. I'll do that. You know, I was in a job working 18 hour days, one meal a day, uh, guarding the premier of Alberta. And I wear a suit, you know, you have your body armor on your, your firearm, all that good stuff. I have that self-confidence when that's my uniform, the suit now. Yeah. When I'm geared up and I leave the house, I'm good to go. I'm on mission. That's my priority. But I found myself when I'm down tools, when I have my days off, I have a hell of a time getting out of the house because I don't have my protective uniform on, right? 
So I think when we're looking at the first responders, uh, I, I think these guys are all in that same same issue. They're good to go when they're going to work. These guys are, you know, like we go fight our wars, do our missions, we come home. These guys are on the line every day. They're out there seeing these car accidents and seeing the worst of people if you're a policeman. And I guarantee you, these guys are the most confident people when they're out there doing their job. But when that uniform's off, they probably have a hell of a time trying to get out of the house. It's a mission. So I think with this uh, Operation Pegasus Jump, this is what we're really trying to achieve is by bringing these people here and getting them out of that comfort zone. Yeah, you're away from work. Now let's see what we can do with you. And hopefully that will spark an interest in the sport as well. Give them something to shoot for. Maybe these, maybe these guys have no direction. And after work, it's like, well, all I'm going to do is drink beer. Well, hey, let's do something. Let's do an activity that's challenging just like at your job and healthy. You know, it's exciting. And, you, you know, you, you got to be decent shape to do it. Um, so, I mean, that works in with the mental health, the physical health. It is. It all goes together. And it is so refreshing. And I'm so happy that both of you understand uh, that the trauma Olympics is a sport that nobody wants to play. You know, you're not uh, saying, well, you know, I'm a super duper soldier. So, you know, a cop, that's nothing by comparison. There's so much of that shit that is out there. Um, I just did an episode with John Sr. about outside the wire versus inside the wire. Um, I was an outside the wire guy on my tour. But uh, the people that were inside the wire, it, it's, it doesn't matter. You know, like uh, saying that somebody that was inside the wire shouldn't have PTSD is just ignorance. They don't understand. They, they're going through and different I stuff. That, I brought that up uh, as on uh, um, Tools for the Toolbox. Mm. I brought that up. As oh, Chance Burrell's there. Yeah. And uh, my analogy is, you know, like my young troops is, you know, you know, the, you know, the support people never leave the wire. You know, they get the same metal, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're claiming PTSD. It's like, okay, roger that, guys. But what do we do in our training? Our training is all, all battle inoculation throughout our training. We're treated like absolute crap so we can <laughs> deal with stress, right? We're up all the time and just getting hammered. But the clerk isn't. That's not his job. So when that clerk is, say, we'll just use Kandahar, and we're getting – and we're outside the wire uh, on the pointy end – fighting but these guys left behind are getting harassment fired by rockets that's fucking terrifying to those people because they're they haven't had the training for us we come out of that mission we come back to the camp missiles are coming in and we're just staying in our racks and we're sleeping yeah and everyone else is panicking because that's terrifying because in their training they weren't battle inoculated like we have so of course the effects of ptsd you know that for them that's here for us, it was here. <clears throat> so, yeah, everyone experiences trauma differently. But once you have that trauma, it's the same thing. That's really wise, Tim. I uh, I hadn't thought about the battle of inoculation of, of the training, but that's true. And it, um, it, it this is a topic that I've spent a lot of time mulling over, trying to figure out. Uh, there's another piece to it as well. Uh, and this was actually shown in studies of World War II of who was uh, trauma affected. And those that were right in it um, fared better because they could face the demons. You know, they could they could see what was going on. Then people mm-hmm. that were um, 
more in the rear seeing from afar what was going on because then your imagination is running wild and plus um there's the curse of being a guy who isn't battle tested that is a fucking curse because when you see um the outside the wire folks in and out of the camp all of the time and you're not one of them you're always wondering could i you know, do I have the stuff? Because you don't know till you've done it. You know, there's all, all kinds of folks, and you've seen them, and I've seen them, where uh, they, they figure they're all uh, hardcore and checked out until it hits the fan, and then you see who's who. And you don't know beforehand. Like, you don't. Uh, but, yep. w- but when it hits the fan, then you're like, oh, okay. So this is who's who. This is who can, this is who can't, and everybody knows now. And um, so we can, now we can move forward. And for those that just couldn't, that's okay. We'll just put you back in the camp, and that's okay, you know. But uh, some can, some can't. Uh, The, um, I got such a uh, space in my heart for the inside of the wire crowd, and also those with incomplete, like any kind of incomplete service or sense of incomplete service. Um, all the folks that didn't get out of battle school because something broke, you know, it's not their fault. <laughs> it's just, it's like, that, that's such a good point. You know, I, I, I really hate when I chat with people and they go, well, I only did three years in the army. Yeah. It's like, you did three, you're still a veteran. You did three years in the army. Uh, you know, these, these guys think they're not worthy. It's like, no, you know, like you said, if you didn't even complete battle school, you still went in, you got injured. But these guys are like, yeah, I just did three years. So like, you're still an army guy. You're still with the military. But I, I want to throw what you were saying earlier back, how it relates to parachuting. It's like, how have I got the right stuff? And that's why this concept of Pegasus Jump is so amazing because it's going to get you challenged. Yeah. It's going to get those guys with that thought. It's like, well, could I have done it? Well, come out here and jump out of a plane and you'll see. What do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, like I, I've been working with these at-risk kids, and one of the first things when I got to meet them is that trying to understand the traumas that they've been through, you know, and everything from mental health issues, abuse in the family, and I, was, I just watch these poor train wreck kids that are just trying to be kids, but they just can't because of the baggage they're carrying. So I thought... Okay, well, you know what? Skydiving sorted me out in the Army. Let's see what it does for you. So I took these five kids and uh, got them all skydiving. And then all of a sudden, they were able to cope with just about anything that life threw at them. Their attendance at school came up. Their marks came up. So then I started thinking, okay, well, how's this going to work on a bigger scale? And then I start looking at guys that, you know, like Tim and Gavin's another prime example who've come to our drop zone and started jumping and you can see the turnaround in them. They have a purpose. They're, you know, they're driven, they're helping people again, and they're sort of coming back into society strong. And I thought, you know what, we can do this. We have, we have the the skill sets at our drop zone with all our military backgrounds because I would say at least half our staff have all served in the military. So we understand where a lot of these people are coming from. And then we go back to this COVID thing where the government's like, nope, don't talk to anybody, stay in your house, lock your doors, be safe. Well, you're what you're doing is you're taking people that are dealing with mental health issues 
and you're sitting them in a festering pot all by themselves with nobody to reach out to and talk to, which is only going to amplify the issues. And, you know, let's face it, over the last two years, all we ever hear is COVID this, COVID that. Nothing about the mental health or the drug issue or the homelessness that's going on in this city. And then it, it, to me, it struck home really hard for me last year when we had a bunch of juvenile suicides, 12, 13, and 14-year-olds all killed themselves because they thought, what is there? What's the you know? point? You know, and this little 14-year-old yeah. kid I babysat when his, his mom was going to school with, with my daughter. And I thought, wow, man, like, is this what's going on out there? Have we turned our back on each other? to the point where the government's got us so scared about contracting COVID that everything else is going to kill us first. The, and that's why, you know, we're standing up loud now and we're saying, you know what, COVID's an issue, but it's not the thing that's killing people. Mental health is killing people. Suicide's killing people. Drug overdose. Homelessness. So, you know what, let's get that back out in the limelight and start getting help for people and... You know, let's deal with the issues that are really killing the people. The lack of compassion that's coming with those from people that are saying, just suck it up. Like, do you know who you're saying this to? (laughs) (laughs) You're telling us to suck this up? You know, like, I don't think you know who you're talking to. Uh, We've sucked it up. We know sucking it up. We we could write an encyclopedia on suck it up. Um, (laughs) you know, but the global trauma that's happening right now is the trauma of disconnection. This might sound a little woo woo, but we all have a sense of tribe. We all have a sense of, we want to be connected with each other. Um, the people that isolate themselves voluntarily, they do so because when they try to be in a tribe, they're the odd duck and they feel like, I don't fit or I'm just upsetting the pot. I'm always stirring the pot and I don't want to be that guy and I can't not be that guy. So I'm going to climb into a truck and I'm going to hit the highways for the next 30 years because I just don't want to be the odd duck. I don't want to be the shit disturber. So they self-isolate. And this is why the legions were originally formed. Do you guys know if it was after World War I or World War II when the legions were formed? I think it was World War I. Yeah. So the the idea was that all these people come back from the most horrific war. And as we all know, talking with the civilian population, you know, it's just, it's not good <laughs> because we're, we have a completely different viewpoint and, and life experience. And, um, and it's tough because you're dealing with people that didn't test themselves. So they're always measuring their dicks with you. You know, it's like, oh, you think you're a man because you're a soldier? Well, you know, then a bar fight starts. Um, And this is why the legions, because we didn't want any of this crap. So, so, okay, well, what can we do? So, built the legion so everybody can get together, people that understand each other, that have a similar experience, and has that sense of connection and community. Now, the legion's pretty much dead for the most part. It's unfortunate. I wish I knew how to fix it. You know, uh, they've, the legions helped me, the legion helps so many soldiers. Um, but as, as a social place, as a gathering place, it's pretty much dead. So it's on 
things like Operation Pegasus Jump to create that connection again and bring people back together. But what do you think the secret sauce is about skydiving in particular? Why do you think there's such great results from this particular uh, activity as far as uh, bringing people in and, and watching them turn around? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's it's outside the norm. Mm. You know, it's not like sitting in a room of th- you know with a therapist and a bunch of other people that have been through the same thing and talking out things. It's about getting out there and getting that rush of adrenaline, that thing that like really made us come alive in the military. You know, like we used to laugh about how much it sucked, but I'll tell you what, there's not days that I don't think about standing in the back of a C-130 with all that shit strapped on my body, looking around at 39 other guys going, this is badass. You know what? <laughs> These guys are amazing. Yeah. And just, you know, you do, and then you step out that door and you're going, I'm alive. Like I am living life and nothing is going to bring me down. And then when all of a sudden you're out on the street and you're out of the army, where, where are you going to get that, that feeling again? And for me, I never left skydiving. I stayed skydiving. So every day to me is that adrenaline and that rush. And then when I get a chance to hook up with, you know, guys I serve with, and we're in the air, sharing the air again, like you just, you can see the look in the guy's faces. Like, you know, a lot of guys don't smile like Tim here ever, but you can see his eyes light up when he's in the air. And you're going, yeah, like we're still living life large, man. I'm smiling with my eyes. For me, it's uh, everything about it, right? It's being around the aircraft. I love the sound of the engine, the smell, the smell of the parachute, the preparation you got to do, the safety checks you do. That camaraderie is just like being back in the Army. You know, you're relying on each other. You know, you don't just don your parachute, get on board. No, you're like, hey, check me. You check me up in the plane, then that's where the thinking comes in. You're thinking about that sky. You think about emergency procedures, skydiving, what you're going to do, door opens, next level, you're out on the platform, next level, you're out, now you're performing. Uh, Then you got to do canopy work and you got to land. Like there's all these different phases of preparation and it just keeps your mind active. And when you're done complete with that, the feeling is just insane. Like there are, as he said, I hardly ever smile, but when you land, there's smiles for miles. And <laughs> when you when you have people come out of the drop zone, you just see people who are normally quiet people come out of their shell. And the other thing about the sky whole skydiving thing, it is literally as you described before that tribe. It, it's a total tribe. Now we have, you know, our, our military civilians at our drop zone. Like it's literally a tribe. One of our members their house burnt down during the Christmas time. Immediately the next day, we're all like all the members of this drop zone are on a uh, messenger right away. People are donating money, clothes, dishes, and got her sorted out. Like that's, that's how this tribe works. And that's, it's a family, literally is a family. So that's what we want to try and accomplish by bringing people here from all over Canada to do this. And hopefully they'll go back to their, uh, provinces and then go to their local drop zones and then tr- join that tribe. Cause it is, it's a, it's not just a sport. It is a lifestyle in a way. It's almost like being in the army because everybody thinks that same way. 
Yeah, I um, I only have 24 jumps and all civilian jumps. I, I don't have my military jump course at all. It's, uh, if I have a regret, it's probably that. I wouldn't mind getting my cherry wings. But um, uh, the, with those 24 jumps, though, at Eden North and Blue Skies when it was alive, that's where I started, um, the the culture at the skydive zone and the camaraderie it is it is really something it's 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 a beautiful thing and when you are in that high adrenaline environment it's the professionalism too like i love the way you explained it tim um when i'm in a small aircraft uh, i have a few friends that are that are uh, pilots there's something about the okay everything is mission critical like everything and because everything's mission crit- critical you're switched on and you have to be the professional and you have to be the person that makes it happen and if you screw up you're going to die and there's something about that hard go no go that uh that makes it great you know because you're switched on to make things happen and that's an experience that most people they've never been in a mission critical go no go life or death deal and doing it voluntarily is so great it makes you truly alive yeah Big time. It's uh, we're very fortunate uh, here in Camel River as well. It's we have a very supportive city organization behind us. Like the city itself is like very. When we came to them with this idea and said, "Here's what we want to do," they have just been nothing but an outpour of support for what what's going on. So they put us in touch with Destination Camel River that looks after the tourism for the city, and they're getting together with all the tourism organizations. To put together to up, upload this app where everybody that's coming can see, you know, whale watching and charter fishing and kayaking and mountain biking and all the things there are to do and places to stay and restaurants to eat at. So, because now we have people that are coming and bringing family members. So, what are they going to do, right? So, now the city's stepping in and saying, well, here, you know, you got all these people coming. Let's get out, let's help support this organization. And so when people come here, everybody's taken care of, not just a member that's coming to, you know, for a little bit of mental health, but his family, because if his family and support network are strong at home, that's going to just help out much more. Yeah. So kudos to the, kudos to the city of Campbell river for their support. They've been amazing. Let's talk about your 20. Um, I know the island quite well and where you are is just gorgeous. So for those, we have people in 62 countries listening to this show. So um, you guys are on Vancouver Island. Uh, Tim, you're living in Comox now. And uh, uh, tell me about the Comox Campbell river area. I don't want to let it out. It's a secret. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> don't show up. You don't want to be don't here. Don't move here. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> um, Camel River is just one of those little hidden places, you know. We have uh, super mild winters. We had a bit of snow this year, but it's gone. <clears throat> I was out running this morning on the trails at 530. You know, it's just absolutely gorgeous here. This Camel River is where people come that have sort of had enough of the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, and it, it's funny, you know, I say that kind of jokingly, but uh, good, a good friend of mine, another veteran, uh, brought his new girlfriend over. And I said, you know, so where are you from? She goes, I'm from Trois-Rivières. And I said, how'd you wind up in Camel River? She goes, I had enough one day. I got on my motorbike and started driving west. And this is where I wound up. Well, you can't get any more west unless you go to Dufino. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's uh, it's just beautiful. We're surrounded by oceans and mountains, and the city itself is, is surrounded by the wilderness. So as soon as you basically step outside the city limits, you are in untouched forest. It's absolutely yeah. gorgeous. And we have palm trees here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do have palm trees. Not the ones that are behind us, obviously, but there are palm trees on the island. That blew me away when I uh, visited uh, 2010. I'm like, what? We have palm trees in Canada? It's amazing. Yeah. I had Rob Lalonde on yesterday. Uh, I served in the third with him when we we're at uh, Workpoint. And I was just in Victoria last summer with my wife. It's not the same Victoria that it was in the no, 90s. No, it's not. It is just terrible. Um, but I think the Campbell River area and, and Comox is still the same place. still has that same vibe. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It is like small town living. I love it. It's just incredible here. Uh, it, it's funny. You know, I, I spent over 20 years in Alberta. Uh, so I consider myself in Alberta as long as I've ever lived in one place in my life. Yeah. And I tell you, uh, coming out here and then going up in the plane, you're just overwhelmed. It's like mountains, ocean forest is you're just like you can't it's just so much input whereas you're you know i love alberta but you're going up and it's just fields and the coast the coast mountains are pretty special uh me and a buddy of mine flew there in a piper cherokee and flew to nanaimo and um yeah from the airplane perspective and especially in a small craft wow it was uh it was funny our one of our jump pilots is uh, gavin lee is actually a retired search and rescue so he was flying us out over Quadra, gaining altitude to go for our jump. And uh, I had a tandem that I was taking. And Gavin's like, hey, check this out. And he banks the plane over. And we look out the window. And there, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a pot of whales playing oh. off the southern tip of Quadra. And I'm thinking, where else can you see that? You know, there's just this pot of killer whales just playing around yeah. in the water. And we're a couple thousand feet above them just watching them watch mother nature being mother nature. It was just an, an amazing sensation. And it's moments like that where you stop thinking, you know what, oh, you know, I got all this mental health thing going on, but you know what, life is actually pretty good when you can sort of find that happy balance between seeing the beauty around you and finding that solid support you need to work through stuff. And that's really what Camel River is. It's the gigantic therapy session. It is. It's amazing. We had uh Army, there's an Army motorcycle club called uh, uh, Nam Knights. Okay, yeah. And these guys, uh, they came out to the island to visit. And uh, so I met them in Qualicum and rode them up the old highway up to Campbell River. And these guys, when we stopped, like they'd already, they rode out from Edmonton. But yep. when they stopped, these guys were overwhelmed with the smells and the, and the, and the, the visual they, they couldn't stop talking for a half hour over it. They were just like, wow, like, I need to move here. It, it, this is an addictive place. I kind of referred this island to, you know, how New Zealand is the adrenaline sport place. I call this little New Zealand because literally we have everything, skydiving, flyboarding, surfing. I mean, everything is here, rock climbing, base jumping. This is the island of adventure. It is, and it's, uh, I mean, all the hippies are great. They don't like us, but we like them. <laughs> like, I tell you what's funny. Like, you know, I, I heard there's all these hippies and everything. Here. You know, I drive a big Jeep. I, there's more Jeeps and monster trucks uh, than I've seen in Edmonton. And the other, I don't know what they're putting in the water here, but the women on this island, 
like our drop zone is, uh, statistically has way more females than any other. And they're all motocross people, skidoers, backcountry skiers. I'm like, so where are these hippies? Because <laughs> they're not here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fantastic. Now, um, let's get into the nuts and bolts for people that want to participate uh, with Operation Pegasus Jump. So, first of all, the dates. Uh, you're in July when? Okay, so it's broken up into three separate camps. The first one runs from the 8th to the 11th of July. The next one from the 11th to the 14th. And the third one from the 14th to the 17th. The idea being that the first and second and then the second and third camps are going to overlap by one day. And the reason we did that was to increase the contact between the veterans that are coming. So the guys that are on their last day when we have the big smoker and, you know, we're sitting around the barbecue having a bite to eat and a beer, as the guys are wrapping up their end of day four, the incoming guys will be there and hearing about the adventures they've had for the last four days and get a chance to meet each other. And it was just we thought it was a better way to get more people together rather than, okay, four days and then have a day break and then bring the next crew in. So we thought by having the overlap and we're better to socialize and talk in comfort than have an old fashioned smoker. You know, we had, we had, excuse me, we had talked about the possibility of maybe doing a dinner to wrap it up. And we thought, how many military guys do you know want to sit around at a dinner table? Yeah, no, get a fire pit. That's not who we are. Yeah. You know, let's stay in our comfort zone. Let's just break out the barbecues, fill a canoe full of beer, and have a good old-fashioned smoker where we can just talk in total comfort, no suits, no ties, and just be who we are. What do people have to bring? Uh, First of all, who's welcome? Who's invited? Let's start there. So uh, to begin with, it's all serving members and veterans and all first responders, and uh, their families are welcome to come as well. We, we have all the city is doing a great job of planning things for the cities to do. We got helicopter tours, we got flyboarding. Uh, just there's it's endless the things there are here to do. Even if they just want to go up and sit next to a beautiful clear lake and with the kids and just have a vacation, it's a great place to be. And what sort of cost are people looking at when they come to attend? Well, Tim has been working like amazingly diligently to get as much funding as he can to cover the cost. So we have a golf tournament planned for each of the four rotations, and that's being covered by Canada Connect. Uh, oh, nice. Canada Connect uh, were the first people to step up, and they donated $5,000 to us right away. Wow. Within 30 seconds of telling them about what we're doing. Uh, and. Uh, I, I just want to say thank you to all the guys that kind of connect. That's just fantastic amazing. support. Yeah. And we have a GoFundMe page up, and uh, now we're uh, at $6,300 on that. So what we're trying to achieve is when you sign up, you put $100 down to secure your spot. And then what we want to do is uh, reduce the cost by half and or if the funding goes well, totally eliminate the costs and then, uh, anybody who's coming is, you know, it's just the normal costs with a vacation to get here, right? And uh, and then their accommodations. And on top of that, our accommodations, we've worked with the city, and they're giving us a good rate at our uh, hotel downtown. So, um, and then we do have a few spot free spots at the drop zone for camping, which is a first-come, first-serve. 
uh, totally austere, no shower. Uh, you know, you're camping there for four days. You'll shower when you get home, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, it's great to be at the DZ and be immersed in that uh, at the same time, right? I'm going to have to call and, Bernie Arthurs and book a room at his place. I think yeah. I'll be good. You'll book but, me you up. Know, and this is a cool and amazing thing about our staff. Everyone's like, yeah, I got a spare room. I got a couch people can crash at. <laughs> yeah. You know, because... Like Rob's house here where we're at, uh, this is where most of the skydivers stay. If I... You know, if they're coming from mainland or down island, uh, he's like, yeah, hey, stay at my house. So, you know, that's the kind of uh, philosophy they have here. It's great. Yeah, it's kind of wayward, wayward home for the homeless. <laughs> yeah, Rob's hostel. Yeah. You don't have any mod tents put up, do you? Maybe some 10-man tent groups? Uh, you know, it, it's funny. Yeah, we do. We, <laughs> yeah, we do. But uh, back in the day when I first moved here and started working at the drop zone, we'd have jumpers come from – you know, all up the north end of the island to come down and skydive. And it wouldn't be uncommon to come home on a Friday night and see a dozen tents pitched in my yard. <laughs> and the guys would just be in here, you know, feet up or sitting in the hot tub and just enjoying themselves around the fire in the backyard. And, again, it's that sense of camaraderie that just helps to get you through those tough days, you know, where you think, you know what, I've got life now. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden <laughs> – Something triggers you, and you go back down that rabbit hole again, you know, and then you're back there, and you're like, oh, what am I doing? Life sucks. I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, what's the purpose behind it? So, yeah, I want to emphasize, so for people, a lot of people, you know, they have good questions. It's like, well, I've never jumped out of a plane before, and I'm just, or I'm just a leg. It's like, that's the whole point of this, is we want you to be a non-jumper, and we want to expose you to this challenge. And then on top of that, if you're a... uh, an ex-military freefall parachutist, or you have had your Canadian Sport Parachuting Association uh, level, so COP A level, which means you're a, a skydiver, and you haven't jumped in years, then this is another perfect opportunity for you to come here, get a refresher, and then we'll get you skydiving again and get you back into the sport. So we welcome everybody at all, all levels to, uh, to be at this. And also, if you want to come and just watch the guys skydive but want that camaraderie at the same time then we have a lot of other things going on like the fly boarding and all that good stuff but we also have a a good friend of ours tom chester who is going to have his motorcycle here so people are bringing their motorcycles uh he's also going to take them for a day ride and you can touch more on that you know where that's going yeah so the plan with that is uh any of the guys that are riding here that you know i mean let's face it vancouver island is some of the most amazing riding out there so the plan is to take them down through uh, Strathcona Park in the interior of the island, right down to Myra Falls. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Myra Falls. I am. But it's an absolutely gorgeous waterfall located down the southern end of Bottle Lake. And then from there, they'll come back up through uh, Strathcona Park out to Gold River, right out on the west coast of the island, where they'll have lunch at the pub out there. Again, we're supporting, you know, another hard town small town that's been hard hit by the downturn in the economy. Yeah. And it's a good chance for people just to get out together, see this beautiful country and just see that, you know what? Life's worth living. Yeah. I love it. And the nice thing, I'm a, I ride a street glide yeah. and uh, if the weather is good to skydive, it's good to ride. So I'm, I ride my motorcycle up to the drop zone, jump out of planes, go for a little ride before I go home. It's just fantastic. So I get the best of both worlds. Well, I think uh, Vancouver Island Tourism should be sponsoring this episode. We're pumping it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. 
Are you guys getting any support from the Legion? Have you approached them? Uh, from who? The Legion. Le- well, like you said, uh, you made a comment earlier about the Legion. Our Legion here has dropped the ball so many times with the veterans that I've just I've become so disenchanted. I yeah. haven't renewed my membership. Um, you know, a story I tell, one of the third year I was here, we had a really severe storm hit us on Remembrance Day. So they made the decision to move the uh, the whole ceremony inside of the community center, which is located right next to the Cenotaph. And I was very fortunate that day to meet a member of One Camp Para, the 1st Canadian Parachute Battalion. This guy had jumped in. Uh, the night before the Normandy invasion, he did Operation Market Garden. Like this guy, he was, you know, well up into his years, confined to a wheelchair, but still wearing his Maroon Beret, had his airborne jacket on, and just you could see the pride in the guy's face. So I was very fortunate to get to wheel him into the ceremony, and when I brought him into the, into the auditorium where they were going to do this, one of the Legion members turns to me and goes, he's got to go to the back. The seating at the front is is reserved for the city council. And right there, I just, that was it. Remembrance Day is about yeah. the, the sacrifice these guys made. And you're telling me that he's got to, in his wheelchair, be at the back of the room so that some councilman who doesn't give a rat's ass about the military gets to sit up front. Yeah, and right uh, there, that told me of what's happened to the Legion. Tell them what you said to the guy. Oh, I said that. <laughs> uh, well, I got two choices. Either he's going to go here or you're going out on a gurney. <laughs> and that's where that ended. And I stood at the front with this guy, and he was at the front of this during the whole ceremony. Yeah, and the thing but is, same, you meant it. You weren't time. bluffing. <laughs> I think. Oh, no. There was no bluff that day. <laughs> no. But at the same time, you know, I think we still got to be fair to the Legion. I mean, that's an individual. That's not the Legion. No, absolutely. Um, and yeah. I agreed. I'm not a big fan of the Legion, but they, you know, they still provide a great service to the communities. They raise money. They don't do as much for veterans, um, which was the original mandate, obviously. But it's still, they're good. They're helping the communities. And I have to say, mm-hmm. uh, because of COVID, they, these guys have no money. So, you know, I went down to the Legion, and I do feel bad for them because they are raising money for the community. Yeah, and uh, like you were saying, says we're we're operating at a deficit because we haven't you know have customers, so they're still paying staff. They've reduced staff, but you know, you know, I feel for them. I mean, they're you know they're they're getting uh, screwed over with the COVID as well. But I, I think they're still a, a valid resource. But uh, yeah, I just wish there you know there are legions that are very veteran friendly. Saint Albert Legion. Oh. You froze up on me, Tim. Still frozen. It's a good freeze frame, though. Ah, shit. I don't know if I've lost you or not. Going to give it a few more seconds. Son of a bitch. All right. We'll have to uh, uh, punch out and try to uh, roll back Robert in. Neil and Tim Turner joined. Oh, hang on. Oh, all right. Up. Well, you got the good half of the team, anyways. Boom. Oh, there we go. Okay. Awesome. All right, we got you back. <laughs> that was weird. We just had had us a little freeze there. Yeah, I I'm careful. Like I don't want to beat up on the Legion because they've helped me, 
And I'll never forget that ever. You know, when I was uh, first realized that I needed to reach out for help, for whatever reason, I was in a complete flap and I reached out to the Legion for that. And they were Johnny on the spot. They set up, they, they showed up, you know, Oh, you guys are frozen again. Shit. Uh, say something boys. Nope. You're not there. Shit. I'm going to kick you out, let you kick back in. But anyway, uh, when I, re- when I first reached out to the Legion, they were Johnny on the spot. They showed up and they started me on that healing journey. Um, it, it was a wonderful experience for me. And I will always, always, always be for um, grateful to the Legion. At the same time, um, that was that branch. That was Northwest Command. Rob McNeil and Tim Turner joined. Okay, I got you back, boys. Can you hear me? I can't hear you anymore. Yeah, can't hear you. You're there we in, go. There we go. But I was just, waiting for you guys to come back in. I was just ta- uh, saying that why I'm so grateful to the Legion is that when I was um, absolutely scraping the bottom of the barrel and I was in a flap and I thought, okay, it's not PTSD. There's no way I have PTSD. You know, it's impossible. Yeah. Uh, I only did one tour. I was a peacekeeper. There's no way I had PTSD. And um, it could be service related, but I know I'm fucked. So <laughs> that I know. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they'll help me with the psychologist bill or something. Um, and it was the Northwest Command that I reached out to. And they were Johnny on the spot, bing, bang, boom. And I was in the system. And as soon as I found out that there might be some money involved, I'm like, no, 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 you keep that. I just, you know, if you'll cover the uh, psycho- uh, psychology therapy bills, <laughs> I'm good. You know, it's all I wanted at, uh, uh, in the beginning. And it took a long time, even in the system, it took me two years, at least two years before I could really admit, okay, I'm combat wounded. I really am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll acknowledge it. I don't want to, but I did. And um, it, it was not easy. It's a tough, tough grind to get to that place. But the the short story on that is that I'll always be grateful to the Legion. But that's not the pubs, right? That's the Northwest Command. Although right. e- each individual pub, each little silo there, they also have their own service officers, and they're not all the same. They There's no congruency, you know. Uh, you might go to one and they're the shits. You go to another one and they're spectacular. Uh, there's yeah. there's no way to know which one's the good one to go to, <laughs> where you're actually going to get your help. But there and there's so much politics involved with the Legion, but they do help. And I and I never want to um, say they don't because they do. Exactly. Even even though the 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 pubs are just not a place where we tend to congregate anymore <laughs> for so many reasons. Yeah. You know, we have other outlets now. You know, we have our little groups. Like for us, we have our drop zone. Um, you know, we have, we have uh, the veteran motorcycle clubs are huge right now. Oh, yeah. It's a great way for the guys to get together. And uh, so I think the guys are finding other avenues, but those avenues are within yourselves and you're not getting that help. But at the same time, that comradeship and coming together, guys are going, hey, by the way, I've used this person because I've had psych- psychologists that didn't work. And then, then you get a guy, Hey, I got this guy, go see him. And it's like, Oh, well, holy cow. That was amazing. Like now I get it. Yeah. So yeah. So it is all hit and miss when it comes to anything really. 
Yeah, it's true. And I want to apologize. I, I heard us in our conversation, I was tuning in, and some of the language that we're using, we're excluding all the ladies. <laughs> uh, we've been very guy-heavy in our conversation. And, uh, and well, I, want, I, I want to... I think, that's, <clears throat> I think that's because we're old school and yeah, it's a terminology. It's a habit. When, when we're talking, it's general terms, right? Yeah. When we say the troops are... The soldiers are the guys. Like to us, the guys is everybody. Yeah, it's that's just right. a word. Yeah, you know we're not. It's one of the beautiful things about our drop zone being so so military is when we use terms like guys, we don't offend anybody because the people that are on our drop zone they understand that. You know, and when people go, "Oh, yeah. well, your sex is it's guys this and guys that," and I go, "Take a look at our drop zone." <laughs> Every key position on our drop zone is held by a woman. Yeah. Manifest is run by women. Our chief rigger is a woman. Our chief packer is a woman. All of our packers are women. We have women tandem masters, women jump masters, women coaches. So tell and me we tell have, me again how we're we're sexist here. Yeah. Like and Jen, yeah, she's a serving Navy member. She was she's an ex uh, Canadian Forces Skyhawk. Oh, wow. And we just have another female member just got picked up. She's going to training camp in March. Yeah. And I'm an ex-Skyhawk. Gavin Jones is an ex-Skyhawk. Like, we have about six uh, Skyhawks at this drop zone. Yeah. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, again, that's what amazed me. You know, being in the skydiving world is generally male predominant. Yeah. And you come here, and it's just, it's more women than men. You're just, again, (laughs) what are they putting the water on this island? Like, the women are adventurous out here. And, uh and yeah, we just we just use those terms like troops and uh, that's just what we say. Yeah. Um, but the women run the drop zone. <laughs> yeah, they just let us jump. Yeah, there. they that's just let us jump. There. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we covered that because uh, for anybody listening to the conversation, didn't want anybody to feel excluded. You know, um, uh, people that are EMS or or cops or whatever. At uh, it's it's not just a sausage party at the drop zone. So no, and we have uh, we're going to have uh, two two of the staff members working directly on Pegasus Jump will be female. Well, outstanding. And do you think this might be an annual thing? That's uh, that's our plan. You know, we're we're sort of walking and feeling our way through this with the support of the city. Who well, again, I will put kudos out to because. Uh, Leah Nudstrom at the city has just mm-hmm. been like over the top supportive. You know, they see the potential for what we're doing as a benefit, not only to the tourism, but, you know, dealing with the mental health issues. We, you know, <clears throat> in this small town that we have, you know, we've had to deal with a lot of, you know, like I said, the youth suicide, fentanyl, car fentanyl, homelessness. Like we see it everywhere here. And, you know, think, you know, in a small town like this, we wouldn't, but, it's everywhere, and they're seeing it as a positive thing to help those people and give them a more positive direction in life. So if we're bringing in all these people that are dealing with these. And frozen again. Fuck. Oh, man. Well, guys, uh, I'm going to put it there anyway. When you come back, uh, we'll uh, we'll have an off-air chat. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we're talking about Operation Pegasus Jump, uh, check it out on Facebook. It is a veteran first responder jump. And uh, Oh, and, and you're you back. Know. You guys were gone for the last bit. I was just closing up the show because you were frozen. Uh, and you're gone again. Or Can I hear you? 
No, we're here. No, we're oh, here. You're, you're, okay, you're good. Let's keep rolling for a bit. I was just closing out. Shit. Damn interweb. But uh, what what did I miss? Uh, we we I lost about thirty seconds from you. Well, we're you know this is our first go, and uh, we definitely want to make this uh, an annual. And uh, you know we we have the ability to hold one hundred fifty people, and if say if we only have ten show up, it's still a success, and we want to get that out there. Um, you know, and, and keep this momentum going. And every year, hopefully, we'll build bigger, bigger, and bigger. So, um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit, literally. Literally. Uh, have you guys, uh, are you familiar with the rolling barrage? Yes. Okay. So, too late for this year because the dates are set, but uh, I would suggest putting some thought to next year when you do this to uh, having your dates at the end of the barrage because they end up at uh, the West Coast anyway. They don't go over to the island because of logistics, but if it was after the poll, they, then you already have a giant uh, swarm of veterans first responders uh, sitting in Vancouver anyway. Then all they have to do is uh, uh, hop on the ferry, come across, and so if there was some way to coordinate that, you might um, it, it might help with both um, uh, exposure and and attendance. Just a, That's just a idea. just an idea. Cool. All right, gents. Well, uh, any closing thoughts while the internet's still working here? <laughs> Roger. Uh, I guess for me, I, I just really, you know, we got a lot of people that are working hard to make this thing come off. So I'm hoping that the guys will take that leap of faith, so to speak, and uh, come here and give it a shot. You know, increase the support network they have, meet old friends, make new friends. And just see that, you know what, we're all in the same boat dealing with the same thing. At the end of the day, we're all just people. And uh, also want to let our veterans from foreign countries, from the Four Eyes countries that are living in Canada right now, you know, this is open to you as well. Because um, there's nothing worse than, you know, like there's so many British soldiers over here. You know, you're away from the UK. You haven't got that support. We're here to support you. So, uh, there's like nine parachute regiment members that live over in Squamish. Like, come on over and jump with us. Yeah. Isn't it funny that every Brit uh, veteran that you run into, every one of them was SAS. Every time. <laughs> yeah. No, but these guys are actually, because uh, I, I follow one of the guys. He was over in Afghanistan at the same time I was. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's got his whole crew and they're out skiing all the time. Now, uh, you guys probably have a bunch. I know I'm going to be asked. Uh, you have some student shoots for the first-time jumpers available? Yeah, we do. And some downsizing. We're very fortunate that we just bought a uh, parachute equipment manufacturing company. So we are actually into production now of making our own skydiving equipment. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. Well, I'm going to have to buy yeah. a, uh, a shoot with the canopy. It's an Operation Tango Romeo canopy. canopy. I think that yeah. would be perfect. Sweet. And I also just need to emphasize uh, the other main effort here is this is the only veteran-owned drop zone in Canada. So that's, I think, why Rob came up with this concept. What a better place to come and hold this by people who are running a place who understand what these people need. No, absolutely. It it does make such a big difference. And um, thank you, gents, for, for putting this on. I get it you know as a dirty leg myself and as um, somebody that's got 
24 civvy jumps in my book from a long time ago. Well, at least I think I'm going to have to make some room on my line of credit. <laughs> Just let her rip, get a few under my belt, but it's a beautiful sport. And uh, there's nothing like being under canopy. I actually, most people like the falling. I like being under canopy. I'm Me a bit, too. Yeah, same. Yeah, I like it once, once I pop. And uh, uh, it's just a fantastic feeling. And it's amazing. Like you're a couple thousand feet in the air and yet you still feel safe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> being suspended under canopy. It's fantastic. All right, gents. Thank you so much. Please stay in the line. You're listening right, to op- you. Airborne. Airborne. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, including those dirty jumpers. Today's episode is sponsored by Global Specialized Safety Incorporated. Global SS Inc. Dot com. That's Global SSINC.com. Safe by choice not by chance, for all of your safety needs. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Now I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment, that would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.